Talkers. Welcome to Speak and Destroy, episode 48. Speak and Destroy is a podcast about Metallica, and I'm your host, Ryan J. Downey. My guest this episode is Mark Tremonti of Alter Bridge and Tremonti. If this is your first time listening to Speak and Destroy, the best thing you can do to support this podcast is to go into Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, leave a five-star rating, and write a nice little review. I know every podcast asks you to do that, but it really does help in terms of visibility and people discovering what we're doing here. Check out previous episodes with guests like M. Shadows of Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Flynn of Machine Head, Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm, Gary Holt of Exodus and Slayer, Biff Byford of Saxon, Brian Tatler of Diamond Head, David Ellison of Megadeth, and many, many more. Mark Tremonti may have first risen to international prominence as the guitar player for Creed, but did you know that some of his favorite bands are Merciful Fate, Death Angel, and Metallica? Swiping his older brother's Metallica cassette was a life-changing moment for young Tremonti, who was soon trying to figure out Sanitarium and Call of Cthulhu on guitar. In this episode, we talk about his all-time favorite Metallica songs, his early days in high school bands, meeting James Hetfield for the first time, meeting Kirk, Rob, and Lars, Alterbridge vocalist Miles Kennedy almost joining Led Zeppelin, his multiple and awesome experiences with Eddie Van Halen over the years, getting a hold of one of Hetfield's guitars, and his dream Metallica setlist. So here it is, my conversation with Mark Tremonti. This is Speak and Destroy. Metallica. Uh, set the scene for me a little bit as far as, you know, did you have anyone musical in your family? I know you've, you've talked about your older brother. You know, what were some of your early experiences kind of being around music? Yeah, my two older brothers were um, kind of opposite worlds. One of them was kind of like the Ted Nugent, Kiss, Van Halen guy, you know, the more commercial um not as dark or heavy kind of stuff. And then my other brother was straight up Venom, Slayer, Metallica, anything he could get his hands on. So once I, you know, I slept in a room that was downstairs. They were up in the attic. So on one side of the room, I'd hear one, one kind of music, other I'd hear the other. So one night I couldn't sleep and um, I just went upstairs and asked my brother if I could borrow the record about, uh, I heard a song about a sanitarium and I wanted to borrow that record. That was the beginning of my my obsession. Do you remember how old you were? Um, I was in Chicago, so I was somewhere in between fourth and seventh grade. And I, I think you and I are um, actually almost exactly the same age. We're just a, f- a few months apart. And I grew up in Indianapolis, so we probably have mm-hmm. <laughs> very similar life stories in that sense. Yeah. Was Puppets the current release at that time when you first heard it? I think it was actually, yeah. Um, it, it definitely was, and Justice wasn't out yet. Um, it in, and at the time, you know, it was pretty much the you know one of the heaviest things going. And that I think Slayer was probably the only other band that in the mainstream metal scene at my school that was that was heavier than Metallica at the time. 
but um, that that I knew of. You know, that was before I started really diving into the metal scene. What do you remember about some of the things that grabbed you about it? And and you know, was it the the intensity, the melodicism, the the artwork? You know, do you remember some of the things that grabbed you initially? You know, at first I thought I thought it was beautiful. I thought some of the intros to some of the songs were so epic and. Uh, I remember playing, you know, my parents were kind of, you know, they would, they would listen to some of the heavier stuff I would play. And, and um, I'd kind of turned down the moments when it was the, you know, praise hell Satan's or the Slayer tunes or, you know, my mother was a witch kind of lyrics. You know, I'd try to keep those from my, from my parents. So what I would do is I would play, you know, play the intro to battery for my dad. And he, he'd say that was, that's beautiful son. <laughs> and then I'd turn it, then I'd stop it right before it kicked in, you know, so they, you know, they, he, you know, my dad appreciated the musicality of Metallica as well. And little by little, I got him to be a fan of, of the band with, you know, throughout all their songs. So, um, but I, I thought it was epic. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was well put together. I thought um, musicianship was top notch. The vocals were my, probably my favorite in the world. Um and I just remember sitting there with my headphones on. Well, I had a, I had a little boombox that I got for Christmas that had um, a spectrum analyzer on it, so I could see the, you know, the all the frequencies popping on the kind of EQ kind of thing. And I would oh, just nice. stare at that thing all night. Yeah, I would stare at that thing all night, hypnotized by the songs and the light show, and um, it just sucked me in. I just I must have listened to that record thousands of times. It's uh, it's still it's still a record I'll pop on. And it was Master of Puppets then that really led you to pick up a guitar for the first time. Is that right? Um, not really. You know, I think it was more, um, I remember watching the movie Crossroads and, mm. you know, just the, the movie Back to the Future. You know, those, 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 out, those really stuck out to me as two big pivotal moments for me as far as wanting to grab the guitar and learn how to play. You know what's so great about that, too, is it's, you know, Michael J. Fox and Ralph Macchio, two guys who aren't actually guitar players. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but still could be inspiring. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ralph Macchio pulled it off, man. I love that movie. Was That's one of my all-time favorites. Do you remember kind of what your first guitar was and all that sort of stuff? My first guitar was a, tar was a black Tara Les Paul, which is, it was just an imitation Les Paul. And I got it for 10 bucks from, from my buddy at school. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So I just, uh, you know, I had asked my parents for a guitar for probably two, two Christmases prior and I just never got one. And, um, finally my buddy was upgrading his, his guitar and getting a fancier one and said he'd sell me his for 10 bucks if I joined his band. So I didn't even play guitar yet and I was getting into a band. So, hmm. um, you know, that was, uh, my buddy's name was Jeff Blake and he, he was one of the first guys to kind of show me power chords and show me a couple things. I love those stories. And I feel like that's really emblematic of that time. Uh, I don't know if it transcended beyond the Midwest, but you know, so many of my little cadre of metalhead friends, our experience was really similar. Like I, I started singing in bands in high school and I wasn't a singer. I wasn't trying to be a frontman in a band. It was literally a couple of my metalhead buddies were like, 
you should be in our band. And I was like, yeah, I don't play an instrument though. And they were like, well, then you can sing, <laughs> you know, you got long hair, man. You got the look. <laughs> exactly. You're, you know, we're all hanging out anyway. And this guy's got drums right. and this guy's got a guitar and it's like, yeah, nobody can necessarily play that well, but you just kind of find yourself doing it. Your parents will let us smoke in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can swear around your dad. He's cool with it. So we'll practice at your house. That was, yeah, right. it always always came down to that. And actually, I remember the the first uh, first band practice that I ever had. We did Master of Puppets, Am I Evil, uh, Death Angel, I'm Bored. And I remember right. kind of cramming uh, with my little uh, boombox and my cassettes. And I have an older brother. And I remember my older brother telling me, hey, you know when you show up, to your friend's house it's not going to sound like this <laughs> like don't be too worried about how you won't sound like that because your buddies aren't going to sound like that back then everything sounded awesome when you're a kid yes. no matter the, the worst demos in the world were the best things in the world absolutely so what were some of the first riffs you remember working out uh from the metallica catalog as you were learning those power chords and whatnot um, probably, uh, Welcome Home Sanitarium was probably the first thing I learned. Um, and then maybe Fade to Black, you know, some of the more bowdy guitar parts. Um, when I was younger, I just, I, my, my brothers always messed with me. They said, you, you, can you play a song from start to finish? I could always play like a little part, a little <laughs> riff here and there, but I could never, I could never play the song from start to finish. But, um, a very, very, um, important song for me that really helped me develop my guitar style was um call mm. that was uh that's probably my second favorite metallica song um and it's really how i developed my my finger style you know that's that that song to me is uh, so important to my playing and that's a big dave mustaine song i didn't even know that yeah in fact that uh and i only learned this in recent years but um there's a version of that that predates Ride the Lightning. I think it was called When Hell Freezes Over was the original title, and it's missing wow. kind of the, the middle section, but the most of it is there, and, it, and the original bits of it were all Mustaine. And, and he's actually said positive things about the song and, and what they added to it and everything after he left. But yeah, and it, it's funny because as a kid, I remember reading liner notes and – seeing Mustaine had co-writes on Kill Em All and, and on two songs on Ride the Lightning, but not really understanding what that meant and the politics of all of that and how that works out. And, you know, his name was always listed last, so I just kind of assumed, like, you know, he, he maybe just contributed a little bit here or there. But then in later years and as an adult, you kind of learn, like, oh, he walked in the door with four horsemen and jump in the fire like music lyrics right, yeah. you know uh, from like his previous bands you know like it was you know he was definitely although he was in the band for a short amount of time i, I definitely understand why he uh is sometimes seems a little disgruntled that his his role in the overall sound isn't always acknowledged but um you know it seems like it's yeah, acknowledged more know, and more now i could see that'd be a, a big huge blow to see how big michalka got after your your departure, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, the Mustaine's defense and he, he kicked ass coming back. What a comeback. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Megadeth, 
Megadeth's definitely one of my favorite bands of all time. So. Me too. And one of uh, and one of my uh, actually they were I actually discovered Metallica via Megadeth. Peace Cells was actually the first metal record that I ever had. So I've always ah. had a, a ton of love for that band. And and yeah, not only did he certainly make his mark, but what's interesting that I've kind of thought about in recent years too is that had he never formed Megadeth, he would still be this like successful songwriter you know collecting royalties from <laughs> those metallica records yeah. uh you know when no you kidding. when you think about how well like king diamond and uh you know the guys from budgie have done from just those cover songs and then you think about um how many times dave's name appears in those liner notes it's pretty awesome yeah i love king diamond uh, dropping another one of my favorites yes <laughs> the king so far so far you said king diamond and uh and um death angel two of my two of my favorites oh man sure. me too and, and very very uh influential for me in that in that time that we're talking about too around the time that you know we were discovering all these bands and stuff like that i remember we uh, i had a english teacher in 10th grade who gave us an assignment to bring him a synopsis of some kind of story that we had discovered independently that existed in a medium outside of books so <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I did a synopsis on the King Diamond Them album and uh, wow. loaned him the cassette over the weekend. And I, I still have this vivid memory of Monday morning, him giving it back to me and going, um, this was very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't imagine giving that to one of my teachers. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, so... How did that then translate as you were getting going as a guitar player? And how did that then translate into, you know, joining bands and, and kind of getting that going? And, and at some point as a teenager is when you moved from like the Wilmette area to Florida, right? I moved when I was um, 15. I moved to Florida. So before that, I had a band. I had two bands up in Detroit. Um, my first band was, uh, was called... Uh, um, diversion and diversion was uh, more of a punk band it was kind of like a hardcore punk band our, uh, our singer was Jeremy Adair um, and he was uh, a great singer and great great enter entertainer kind of a guy and um, my drummer was uh, 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 gosh he was uh, uh, gosh what was his name um he was a badass, though. We we had we had we had a pretty good three-piece band, and then um, there was another band in town called, I think, Distortion, and um, we kind of took the best members of both bands and formed a mega band. <laughs> nice. And we called ourselves we called ourselves Wits End, and then we saved up and recorded a demo at the local Detroit downtown studio and made like a five-song demo with with Wits End. And was that, Wits End was more of like a kind of like a Motley Crue type type of band. Um, but we were, we were pretty good. I mean, we I thought, for the, if I listen back to those demos, it wasn't bad for, you know, seventh or eighth grade kids. It was, um, my singer went off to be uh, the front man for a band con called Of Montreal. And I remember doing an oh, interview sure. for Rolling Stone. Uh, yeah, I did an interview for Rolling Stone about his band. So he went the completely opposite, you know, opposite more like David Bowie direction. Um but yeah, he was a singer of Within. That's awesome. And I love that that sort of super groups that would form in, 
local DIY scenes where it's like, you know, people outside of the city have no idea the significance of that, but people there are like, oh, that's this guy from this band and this person from that band. And Yeah, and then fun. they have to try and stay friends with all your buddies that didn't make the cuts, you know. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> we, all stayed, we all stayed buddies. The guys that didn't make the cuts just weren't really that into it, you know. Yeah. I, I read somewhere where yeah, you were talking about how Orion always kind of takes you back to your childhood, how you have a memory of, of uh, what was it, painting your, your parents' porch? Listen to oh, that yeah. song. Orion is my all-time favorite Metallica song. That's that song to me is just the most. Uh, I mean, it's just epic, and it just brings back so many memories. And I, I listen to that song more than any other Metallica song. That's um, awesome. I'm, I'm a huge Metallica instrumentals fan. <laughs> yeah, I remember I when the black, the black record came out, and I was pissed that there wasn't an instrumental. I listened to the whole thing, and I'm. I'm waiting till the very last track, and once once it wasn't instrumental, I was just I was, you know, it's a great, great, obviously a humongous record, but um, you know, I was just mad that there wasn't an instrumental on there. You know, <laughs> to live is to die was, was so good off Injustice. Mm -hmm. You know, they're pretty much every time they do an instrumental is amazing. So I was, you know, I'd like to hear uh, some future metallic instrumentals. Yeah, you know, there was one on Death Magnetic, and that was the first, gosh, probably since since Justice. Yeah, I just wish it was something that they would they would always do, you know? Yeah. That's been such, to me, that's just one of their strongest. Um, they can create such such a mood um, with just their instruments, and it's, it's something that I always strive for since, you know, since I've heard that. Yeah, one of the things I love about albums two three and four in particular is how they're structured the same uh, like that you know those records all are bookended by super fast aggressive album opener super fast closer they all have the instrumental kind of right around the same place towards the end they all have the you know it's like title track is like uh you know either the second song or the second song on side two or something like that it's like when you start analyzing it you know the ballads track four it's like they really um, I don't know. I don't know how much planning went into it being that way, or if it was happenstance. But I've always thought that was really cool how that uh, worked that way, and, and to have that kind of like continuity. It's pretty rad. Yeah, I think I think sometimes when you're in a band, uh, I know I I'm guilty of this. Is when you come up with a new record, you're always like, all right, that's our that song. You know, that that one's our that tops that song. This fills the space of that song. All right, mm -hmm. we got our epic, we got our instrumental, and you kind of check the boxes after you've had a, have a successful record. And that's probably just, you know, what, if it ain't broke, why fix it kind of thing for Metallica. As a rhythm player, I think you're, it's really evident in your playing that, you know, the kind of the down picking and that sort of stuff that Metallica and, and Hetfield in particular was, was really influential on you. Absolutely. I would say, I would say, James and uh, I'd say Slayer and Metallica are probably my two biggest rhythm influences. The big four certainly invented a style of playing guitar that has translated and, and branched out in so many exciting directions for decades now. Yeah, speed metal was really my thing when I was when I was really learning how to play. So you've had the opportunity, of course, uh, over the years to share uh, festivals with them and everything. I know, gosh, was it 2006 
when they when they were doing the uh, the Master Puppets from start to finish, and they started playing Orion live. Oh my god! I mean, you had to be psyched about that. I was beyond psyched. You know, I was I was side stage. Um, you know, we were kind of up at the higher level. James was had a kind of like a, a walk, catwalk kind of thing around the back of the stage, uh, and we were kind of on the side of that, I believe. But you know, as they're running through the record. Uh, that was the song I was waiting for. I'm like, I will never hear them do this live unless this was going on. And uh, yeah, it was, that was one of those moments where you just, somebody tries to talk to you, you're just like, leave me alone. <laughs> this, was, this was one of the most important things I've ever seen as far as being a musician. So that was uh, definitely an epic moment. What was your first opportunity to meet those guys? Uh, first time I met James, I was in LA at the whiskey uh there's um, sunset marquee was the hotel and there's a bar in there called the whiskey where uh, lots of celebrities and band people would hang out and um james was my my security guy at the time aaron dilks um we were hanging out and he had he had known james and he went over to james and introduced me to him and then kind of walked off and left me and james there and, and uh you know i was very i was, I was very nervous you know it's my probably my biggest hero at the time and and uh you know we just talked a little bit i talked to him about king diamond and you know nice. how they how they covered some king diamond tunes and yeah um, and then i kind of i left him alone i didn't want to bother him um but after that you know i'd met kirk a bunch of times and he's always been really nice and easy going um I remember being out at a bar somewhere and rob came in and he's like yeah man i use your wall pedal on stage <laughs> wow that's wow that's pretty killer um and then after that i've met him a bunch of times um after that you know it's um you know some of my best memories ever are playing festivals with them and um my good friend tom rob um works security for them and uh, he used to work security for us back in the day and we just remained really good friends and um he came over after our show and he's like you know james james doesn't often spend a lot of time watching you know he'll check out one or two songs of all these bands but he'll never sit out there and watch a whole set and he just watched your entire set download and um you know so i was i was really excited to hear that and then uh he's like uh, kirk wants to say hi to you once you come over to the dressing room and i'll leave your name at the thing and, and walk you in um so he walks so i walk over he walks me in and, and he, he had to go somewhere and kind of left me standing on this this balcony and up comes Lars. He's like, Hey Mark, you knew my name. You know, my name. So, and then we just started, he asked me about how cool it was that, that Miles got to play with the guys from Led Zeppelin and yeah. all the rehearsals and whatnot. how cool that must've been. And so we had a little conversation. He left, he was very nice. And, um, but we did a show with them back in Tampa a long time ago. And, uh, he had invited us all to this, to the after party and, he was a gentleman and, and uh, we had a good time and um, yeah. And then James, uh, probably the, one of the coolest things that's ever happened is I was watching Metallica on stage and their security guys were like, yeah, you're, you're part of the family up here. You can go wherever you want, you know, just uh, let us know if we can do anything. And as I'm watching the show, Kirk comes out from behind the curtain at the beginning of uh, fade to black. And he pulls out his in-ears. He's like, hey, man, how was your show? And this and that. I'm like, great. You know, what rig are you using? And he's explaining to me his rig. And 
I could hear his, his solos coming up in like three seconds. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh shit, shit, gotta go. And he jumps on stage and plays his solo. And then, um, and then later in the night, you know, they had their fan group, you know, like um, fan club people on both sides of the stage during the set. And then uh, I was kind of standing, you know, about 30 feet away from them on side stage. And then James comes over and uh, I think it was for whom the bell tolls or something. And he's rocking out. He he looks he looks to the fans and he's kind of give him give him the rock face. And then he sees me side stage and he kind of stops picking and kind of gives me a wave, you know, and smiles. You know, takes off the rock face and just smiles. And and I was that was probably one of the coolest moments to just be recognized by by your hero, you know. Yeah, and, and what's so amazing is, I mean, obviously, you know, you've millions of records and a Grammy and you know all these accomplishments and enduring songs and you know and also getting to pull the hat trick of having more than one successful band which is really difficult and yet in moments like that you can just you know be a kid again <laughs> you know which i think is oh, yeah. it's it, when when you can't do that anymore i think is is when there's a problem you know oh yeah i mean that's when it comes to musicians the people that you grew up listening to I, i'm always i go back to high school mode so it's uh you know, I'll always be like that. And I think Metallica really kind of taught us that in our formative years, too, because they, no matter how how much success they've had, they get that way, you know, they were that way around Lemmy, you know, and like you said, obviously, Lars asking you about Miles playing with Zeppelin, like, you know, there's those guys are fans, just like we're fans, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's, a, there's an epic pick of um, Robert Plant and James where you can tell you know, James is really excited to be with him. That's that's a killer shot. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 picturing there's also a photo of him and Joey Ramone that's kind of similar, where you can you can see the like, you know, it's Joey Ramone. It's awesome. I host a uh, Q and A series out here in L.A. at the Musicians Institute, and when Miles was doing his solo record, he uh, performed and did did my Q and A and obviously such a sweet guy and such a, uh, you know, especially sitting in the room and hearing his voice in that kind of intimate setting. It's like, man, this guy's like Jeff Buckley. <laughs> you know? Like where did this, where did this guy come from? These guys don't like exist right now. You know? I think he's the best rock and roll singer on the planet. I mean, the best rock and roll tenor singer on the planet. Yeah. Just so much soul and so much uh, depth without, the thing that I really love about his voice is that he doesn't overdo it, but he also doesn't hold back. It's like a really perfect balance of of uh, using his instrument that way. It's super cool. And yeah, of I, course, talking to him about the Zeppelin thing off the record was awesome. <laughs> that was probably one of my oh, favorite yeah. side conversations we had. Oh yeah, that was a pretty pretty crazy time when he got. I remember the, the moment he got that phone call, and um, I remember I was downstairs on the bus and. I saw him. Well, actually, we were upstairs on the bus, and, and he was like, "Oh, excuse me, guys, that's Jason Bonham. I got to go take this." <laughs> being, you know, being, kind of being a smartass. Of course. And then um, a bunch of time went by, and um, and then we, I went downstairs to use the bathroom, and he was down there looking. He was about to cry, and um, I just waited there for a second to see what was going on. Then he hung up the phone. I'm like, "What? What's wrong, bro?" And he's like, "Dude, dude." guys from Led Zeppelin want me to come play with them and try out to see if I can sing with them. <laughs> and, 
you know, so I, I had two thoughts, you know, I had one thought of like, oh man, I'm so proud of my buddy and so happy for him. But the other time, I'm like, oh man, is this the end of our band? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, but then, you know, I figured if he got the opportunity to do this, there's no way in the world any of us would stop him, you know, come back to us when you have some time after you spent a few years doing that, you know, whatever, whatever it takes, you know? Yeah. And that's, what's great is that's kind of how it, works nowadays whereas it it didn't always seem to be that way you know it used to feel a lot more all or nothing whereas now you can kind of view opportunities like that and be like hey this you know this could ultimately be great for alter bridge as opposed to the end of alter bridge you know i i, I would imagine the, your feelings were probably a little similar too to when you know axel told slash and duff he was going to go sing for actc <laughs> you know like they yeah. were i'm sure they were like that's the greatest thing ever and also kind of like oh fuck hope this works out for us. I think when you're in your first band, you're very protective of your band members and somebody goes and plays in some other band, you're like, what what the hell, dude? What are you doing? You're not being loyal. But after you've been in a few bands, everybody, you know, we're just artists. We're we're buddies. We want what's best for one another. Um, So we're all very open-minded about um, us branching out because, you know, like I said, we want to do different things as artists. Yeah, and and what's cool about it, too, that I think um, maybe goes a little unnoticed is the more freedom there is to do those kind of extracurricular things, uh, the more pure the original band's identity can remain. Because I think a lot of times people have all this other stuff they want to try stylistically, and sometimes it gets funneled into kind of the wrong wrong project, you know. And uh, this way, it's like people can kind of go do their you know, I'm going to do my country record. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, or whatever, and, and not dilute kind of the potency of, of the main thing. I think, you know, it's kind of like how uh, Chuck Schuldner from Death, uh, who I would imagine you're probably a fan of also, um, when he did Control Denied, you know, he very publicly was like, look, I wanted to basically do Death with the same guys and just with a totally different vocal style and hire somebody else to sing. So rather than call right. it Death and upset everyone i'm just going to call it something different and you know both things can be what they are and i think that i think that approach has been more rewarding for for fans especially yeah i mean our our fans have uh i mean they have so much music to draw from between alter bridge my band and miles's band and slash and everything else in in between projected and there's there's you know over a dozen records they can go out and listen to yes and there's always something happening. So even if, if there's downtime with one thing they love, they still have a chance to go out and see one of you guys and one of your other things. So I think that's yeah, awesome. absolutely. And, th- and this also reminds me, you know, we're talking about that, those moments of hanging with Metallica and meeting them and getting, getting to share these cool experiences. Um, I hate to make you talk about something that people probably ask you about all the time, but um, I, I got to talk to you about Eddie Van Halen. I mean, you're you're a rock yeah. guitar player. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your uh, your your Van Halen fandom and growing up, and then, you know, the moment when you're <laughs> you're looking out and you see Eddie Van Halen's watching you. Yeah, you know that. You know, growing up, like I said, my my one brother Mike was this huge Van Halen fan, and uh, Dan was you know the more of the speed metal guy. But uh, you know, I. I appreciated Van Halen. I thought Eddie was pretty much the best guitar player on earth. You know, I wasn't, uh, I think between him and when Inve came out, those two guys were 
unstoppable. Um, so when I first met Eddie, um, gosh, it must have been when we opened up for them. Um, we had a few gigs, I think two or three gigs opening up for Van Halen. And uh, when Eddie came over, he was like, who's, who's the guitar player? And I, <laughs> and I, I raised my hand. He's like, come over here. So I went over there and he, uh, like, I want you to see something. He walked me over to his, he had like this little draped off, like little house. That was his guitar area where his, where his tech worked and all his guitars and amps were. So I went behind the drape and he showed me his, um, his amp. And, uh, he was really trying to, you know, get other artists to dig into the 5150. So he's like, yeah, check out my new amp. Let me get your address. I'll send you one. And, um, I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be amazing. I'm like, I really love your guitar, man. They play like butter. He's like, what color do you like? I said, uh, black. <laughs> He's like, all right. So we're playing Madison square garden the next day. And, um, we have a knock on our dressing room door and we were fighting about something, um, as a band in the dressing room. So we're like, uh, don't answer it. We'll get back to whoever it is. Kept on, somebody kept on knocking and, before you know it, Eddie Van Halen just walks in the room. He's like, oh, sorry, guys. I, I heard your voices in here. And, and he had a guitar in his hand. He's like, here's, and he puts it down on the table, breaks it out, taps on it, goes, feels good to me, and hands it to me. <laughs> um, it's, it's like he christened it for you. <laughs> yeah. Tapped on it, handed it to me. And then. Um, That's awesome. One of the coolest, one of the coolest things ever was um, after the show, uh, we're beneath we're kind of like in the loadout area and there's press everywhere, fans, family. There must've been 150 people in this one little area. And um, we're just kind of standing out as a band down there. I've got the guitar in my hand and then I, we see a van go by and it's Eddie and his wife and, and Wolfie. And Wolfie was like six years old or something. Um, and, uh, he sees me, gets out of the van, walks through all these people, and 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 tells me, "Oh, I didn't tell you. You should take off. Um, I forget what it was. Two of the springs. That's how I I set up my my bar on there." <laughs> and then he gives gives me a big hug, a kiss on the cheek, walks back through all those people, and gets back in the van with his family and, and takes off. And I was just, those are those moments where you're like, I can't believe that just happened. Oh my God, that is so. I, I'm I'm getting goosebumps just hearing the story. Yeah, and to think in the midst of all that chaos that that's what's on his mind. He's like, oh yeah, shit, I forgot to tell him that. You know, that's so awesome. Yeah, it was such a good guy. That was amazing. And then um, years later, um, I become friendly with Wolfgang. He was a fan of Alter Bridge. Came out to um, some sound checks or just some of the end of our shows. He invited us to the Van Halen sound check party. Um, and then, um, he joined my band, you know, my solo band for two records. Um, and then, uh, well, actually before that, when we were just friends, he, uh, I was coming through LA and he's, he gave me a call. He's like, Hey man, you want to check out Van Halen rehearsals tomorrow? <laughs> uh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. So he comes and picks me up, drives me to his dad's house and, um, you know, to 5150 studios. And, um, you know, it was just, it was kind of a, uh, mixing board on one side with, with his setup and Wolfgang's and then on the other side of the plexiglass in the other room was Alex's drum set. And they played their whole entire new record, just the music of it, obviously, because Broth wasn't there. Um, 
So I just kind of sat there in, in between Eddie and Wolfie as they played the, the tunes. And I remember going to Wolfie and going, dude, I love that, that chordal bass line you, you threw in there. And that was a killer part. And um, Eddie goes, well, how, how are my parts? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> dude, your parts are great. <laughs> You're like, yeah, oh, I, I thought I figured that goes without saying, but I guess it doesn't. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you're Eddie Van Halen. It's you're you're all good, man. <laughs> oh, and then you know, and then we play shows in L.A. and he'd come out <laughs> to the shows, and he came out to I think Kansas City too. I remember coming onto my tour bus, and Eddie Van Halen and, and his um, new wife were were sitting on the, you know, in the in the on the couch, and and then uh, we go in and do sound check. And there's a great picture. We, you know, we would do about 100 to 150 people doing these sound check parties. And there's a picture, a side shot of all those people from the back with Eddie standing about 20 feet behind them all by himself. <laughs> if one of those people turned around, it would have been over for him. But nobody knew he was there. It's like that, um, that story when uh, Wolfie posted the picture of him and his dad at the Tool concert. And he's like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somebody exactly. asked somebody yeah. asked him to like take hey can you take this photo <laughs> for me oh, that's so great that's an, yeah that's an epic moment for sure oh so great yeah I got to see uh, as a I, I was I did a story for Billboard um, when Bay played like a private I guess you'd call it a party at uh, Jim Henson Studios uh -huh. and it was yeah it was with Roth and Wolfie and um, Gosh, I'm trying to remember what the what era it was even, but uh, it was before some kind of tour. It was kind of like a warm up or whatever. And I don't know how many people mm -hmm. that place holds, not very many. And it was incredible because they did like full production, like flamingo dancers and <laughs> you know just like all the shenanigans. Yeah. It was awesome. They get, they passed out little um, chocolate coins with the VH logo on them. Wow. So that was definitely one of those moments where you're like, fuck, I can't believe I get to see this. This is so incredible. And you know, what's interesting is that I could have seen Van Halen with Sammy back in the day. Cause I went to monsters of rock to see Metallica in 88. Um, but at the time my friend and I were so diehard thrash metal and so diehard Metallica that we went, we stood with our middle fingers in the air for kingdom come we watched Metallica yeah. and then we left. So we 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 didn't watch Dawkins, Scorpions, or Van Halen, which, you know, obviously <laughs> now I would love to see all three of those bands. But at the time, I was just like, oh, those all those bands are posers. They have hairspray and spandex, and you know, we're from Metallica and we get out of here. But um, so I didn't end up actually seeing Van Halen until the tour with Gary Sharon, believe it or not. Yeah, I gotta say, for all of the obvious, you know criticism that that era draws I, that show was amazing because you know sharon he can do the roth stuff he can do the sammy stuff and they started breaking out all this roth era stuff that you know sammy wouldn't do yeah, but then unlike when you see him with with dave now you still got sammy songs so it was kind of a a perfect little storm of like a deep cuts and you know just a really great yeah. long kind of celebratory van halen set and then uh you know, I moved to California in 2001 and I used to go see every Monday night at the Viper room 
uh, Steel Panther, whatever they were, they were, when they were called Metal Shop, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, and it was obviously the fun of that was being in this tiny little room and never knowing who's going to show up. And one night I'm in there and both Michael Anthony and Gary Sharon were there. And wow. they got up and did Van Halen songs with <laughs> shop. And yeah, that was another one of those, like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. This is so cool. Yeah, those guys called me up one night years ago. Now now I'm good friends with them. Always done tours with them and see them all the time. But back when I first met them, it was, uh, we were all hanging out there. And everybody else went outside to smoke a cigarette. And I'm still in the place. And they pulled me up on stage to play with them. That's awesome. So I I tried pulling out some speed metal. They're like, oh, hold on. We don't do speed metal. <laughs> do, you, do you know any Motley Crue? I'm like, I don't know any Motley Crue, bro. I, I don't play that. <laughs> That's so sick. Yeah, those guys are, uh, I think, really underrated in terms of their, they're like an improv troupe. You know, like they, they essentially do sketch comedy on stage and they have like insult humor and, and uh, crowd work. Oh, yeah, it's like it's like every every uh, sort of mechanical piece of a comedy show is in there, and then on top of that, they all shred. You know, it's like one of the best guitar oh, yeah. players in the world. Oh yeah, yeah. I met, when I first met him, I was like, "How cool was it that you got to be Paul Gilbert's roommate back in GIT or whatever it was?" He's like, "Well, how cool was it for Paul Gilbert to be my roommate?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what you would want him to say too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that he wasn't. He wasn't even. He wasn't even kidding. Yeah, and you know when I when I was seeing them back then too, it was um, uh, Ray, the the guy who plays drums in Corn now, was the drummer back then, and he was uh, I think he Ray played. Monster. Yeah, he he played with David Lee Roth at one point, right? Wasn't that kind of his original claim to fame? Uh, I think so. I think so. He's yeah. He's. He's such a good dude. He's such a nice. I've only met him a couple of times, but such a good dude. He's such an incredible player. I, I would I would certainly never put you on the spot for any kind of insider info, but broadly speaking, not authoritatively as somebody who knows anybody. What do you What do you hope to see happen with Van Halen? I mean, I I, I, I gotta I gotta I gotta think there'll be at least some kind of if not a record someday. And one more tour or some kind of show or, or something like it just be such a bum out if this is, if this was it, you know? Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to see a collaboration of all the members doing something, you know, it's, you have all these camps that just like one or the other, but I like them. I like them all. I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see it all come together with, um, I'd like to see a tour with both with, um, Hagar and Raw. I agree. That's exactly yeah. where I am. I, I, you call yeah. it call it best of both worlds, and yeah, have them each do their stuff, and then do something that's super friendly and co collaborative, where you know they do at least something together. Maybe it's a cover, not a Van Halen song. You know, maybe Sammy plays some rhythm guitar on a Dave song or something like. You know, do something to kind of uh, the action. Yes, yeah, bridge the gap, so to speak. Um, yeah, I think I think yeah. that that's really all there is kind of left to do. I think that's the only thing they really should do at this point is is that but fingers crossed i mean yeah. you know there's so many uh important people we've lost in recent years and everyone from van halen, every van halen member from every van halen lineup is still around so yeah those guys can get it together 
You killed something. Well, I got uh, I got one more thing for you. You're in charge of the set list. You're going to see Metallica, and Lars hands you a pen and paper and says, "You know what? You write the set list tonight. What's got to be on there?" It's the Mark Tremonti Dream Metallica set list. I'd say we open up with Fight Fire with Fire. Nice. Let's see, Fight Fire with Fire. I would I would like to see maybe blocks. You know, do do like a four song block and jump between records so everybody gets excited about. You know, so let's do Fight Fire with Fire into straight up Ride the Lightning. Um, yeah. Go in order there. Um, for whom the bell tolls, I'd say roll straight to the first four tracks of Ride the Lightning first. Maybe, I don't know, Fade the Back might be early. Um, let's take out Fade the Black for later in the set and put in uh, Shafts Under Ice. Nice. And uh, I'd, go to, I'd go to Master of Puppets. Oh, no, I'd, no, I'd, I'd go to uh, Kill Em All. Um, start with Jump in the Fire. You can destroy, gosh, what else? Jump in the fire, seek and destroy. What else? Uh, am I evil? Excuse, I don't want to miss anything cool. Uh, gosh, whiplash. Got to have whiplash in there. Maybe, uh, um, maybe a little anesthesia with Trujillo using your pedal. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be epic for sure. Let me see. Top four first songs to play, I'd say. What did I say? I said, Jump in the Fire, Am I Evil, He Can Destroy. You know, a song, I love Phantom Lord. You don't, you don't really hear that song talked about a lot, but no. I love Phantom Lord. No. Uh, you know, and I was really disappointed to know that Metallica um, didn't like uh, Escape off Ride of Lightning. Because when I was a kid, I loved that song, but they hate that song. I loved it too, oh, but, but but it also made it also made sense. I didn't learn that until recent years either. It did finally explain why it is a little different than the rest of the record. I've always loved the song, also, but um, it kind of was like, oh, okay, now it clicks because it is, yeah, it, it has a very different vibe from the rest of the songs. Yeah, when you're when you're just a a kid who loves a band, you know, you're so open minded to everything they did. To me, it just that's why I liked it because it's just it had a different vibe to it, and I thought that chorus was great, you know. And then um, here they didn't like it. I was, you know, it's like what the, yeah, I love that song. Well, it's because I don't know. This kid, my favorite, my favorite band. Yeah, um, and and also that song was a very uh, angsty teenagery lyric, lyric wise. Like it, I definitely identified with the with the lyrics in that song at the time. You know, I never really even thought of the lyrics. I know I come my own out to be free. I didn't know. I didn't even know what it meant. You know, <laughs> with my mind, I can't see. When you're a kid, I just love the melodies and, and yeah. whatnot. I, and, um, and you know, speaking of Phantom Lord, if you uh, cruise onto YouTube, I think it was 2012 or 13 or something like that when Newstead was doing his Newstead band and they toured with Megadeth. Jason would come out. And Megadeth would do Phantom Lord with Jason singing. And that was pretty sick. Wow, that's killer. I always love Jason's vocals. That's one thing. I All the respect in the world to Rob. He's massively talented. I've, I've met him. He's a super nice, super sweet guy. I do miss Jason's vocals when he would, uh, his backups and when he would 
take over on lead for different songs live. He's just a, 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 a monster. I loved it. I love I love them for sure. Um, yeah, he was killer. I think in a set, it's time to sprinkle in some newer stuff. You know, because if you know, at me growing up with Metallica, the first four records are kind of like my bibles of, of what metal should be. So I. 80% of the set would be those first four records, but um, I would say uh, let's throw in some um, throw in some hardwire, you know? Yes. Throw that in there. Um, and then jeez, uh, uh, I don't know what that's magnetic. I don't even, I, I'm, I'm not super familiar with the entire record to know which, which would be my favorite song off of that record. I gotta say, my favorite Cyanide. off off that record is uh, yeah, Cyanide's cool. I, I my favorite is um, All Nightmare Long, which almost has kind all of right, a, a puppet vibe. Let's, let's throw that in there, and then I'd go back to Garage uh, um, Days Re Revisited, which is one of my favorite records ever. Mm-hmm. I Same. would I would just play that play that front to back because that's not you know, that's what <laughs> yeah I was gonna say that that yeah that's probably shorter than Rain and Blood. Yeah, <laughs> so I would I would throw that in next front to back, and that would make me a happy, happy, happy man. That that record was incredible. Hell yeah! Uh, I'm, as you can see, I'm saving the Master of Puppets for the mm-hmm. end of the set. Uh, and Justice for All. Maybe this would be a good time to pop in. Uh, to live is to die out of the blue. Yes. Um, Live is to die, and then I'd go into Blacken because everybody's going to be expecting Blacken for sure. Maybe, uh, gosh, so many. Got to play one. Of course. And pick one more song from that record. Um, hmm, which one would it be? I love Injustice for All. It's a long. T- uh, um, let's do Freight Ends of Stan. Oh, nice. That, yeah, that's a song I don't think yeah. about that often. But it's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, then let's go to the black record. Uh, let's do um, Unforgiven. Incredible song. I'd say Unforgiven into Nothing Else Matters. Um, wherever I May Roam. you got to play Inner Sandman no matter what if you're playing a Metallica set or else the crowd will riot. Yeah, it's like Guns N' Roses not doing uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, yeah. And then maybe throw some Sad But True in there. Go to the load record after that. Oh gosh, until it sleeps. Love it. My, uh, I've I've said this on the podcast many times, but one of my top ten Metallica songs is "Outlaw Torn," which is that last track on Load. Ah, yeah, yeah, man. I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm not. I'd have to listen to that again to get re-familiarized with it. Um, but I'd, I'd say. Uh, Hero of the Day and King Nothing. Yeah, those were the yeah. singles. Those were I love those songs. Yeah. I love the King Nothing video in the snow. Oh yeah, for sure. And then I would throw in uh, one of the coolest things ever Metallica's done, and just do the Merciful Fate <laughs> Hodge. You know, yes, Hodgepodge of songs they put together. I I love that. That's. That would be incredible to see them do that. The twelve-minute medley. Uh-huh. I, you know, it's and all love to Hank Sherman and King Diamond and the great Merciful Fate. 
and I love hearing those songs, but I prefer <laughs> the Metallica medley these days. If when I want to <laughs> when I want to hear those riffs and those melodies, I'll just put that medley on because you just get you you know I don't know it's more it's more bang for your buck. Yeah. I love them both. I mean, Merciful Fate was one of my definitely one of my biggest biggest fan bands of all time too. You know, so it's great to know that they were fans of one another. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go now to, I hope I'm not leaving anything out of the, the newer records. I don't have anything off of, uh, uh, St. Anger right now. Um, I'll let you pick the St. Anger tune. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, it's okay. <laughs> um, I, I, w- I would go frantic. I think frantic works in the live setting pretty well. All right. Well, we gotta, we gotta have, have something from, from each record. Um, and then reload. Oh, geez. The memory remains. Ah, love that song. Yeah, I mean those the are two. Memory remains. Those are two staples for sure. And then it's time for Master of Puppets. <laughs> and if it was up to me, I would just play the whole damn thing all in a row. <laughs> um, but uh, I would start it with Orion just to let people know this is something different. This is something that you're not going to see too often. And uh, I would end it with, I would move, I just move the order around, start with Orion, um, maybe into Leper Messiah, one of the coolest riffs of all time. Definitely. Um, into the thing that should not be, more the album tracks first, Disposable Heroes, and then I would, then maybe Battery and, um, I would end the whole set with uh, Damage Incorporated. Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, just kick everyone's ass. <laughs> thank you, thank yeah. you. Good night. <laughs> oh yeah, and I would I would take the intro to Damage Incorporated and just loop that thing for like ten minutes before they actually played the song. Let that be the encore. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, sick, sick, sick. I'll be I'll be writing all of that out so you can see what it looks like written out. And that'll be fun. That's probably that's probably a two and a half hour set. Yeah, and you know what? They're a band that actually plays that kind of a set, so <laughs> it's not a it's uh-huh. not it's not outside the realm possibility. You know, I think the last time I saw them, they played about that long. So, well, I never told you I um, uh, a cool Metallica story. I have back in the day, a guy that um, that ran security for us did security for Metallica, and he was still friendly with him and I asked him I was like you know I'd love to get one of uh, James's studio you know used guitars like not not one of just one of the guitar he signed but one that he actually used mm. so uh, he contacted them his name was Brendan he contacted him and um, James said yeah man if he just replaces one of my guitars with a new one I'll give him one that I've used and we'll all sign it so wow. I just pretty much just bought one of his studio used banged up touring guitars you know one of his uh ltds explorer type yes. guitars he and they drew drew the big picture on it the whole band signed it to mark and uh have it to this day that is obviously so awesome and of course i mean randy rhodes i'm trying to think you know eddie obviously there there are so few guitar players that are so where a, a particular shape of a guitar is so identifiable with one guitar player. Yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, anytime you see that Explorer shape on anybody else, it's like, 
It's like, oh, cool. They're doing like a Hetfield thing right now. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, I've kind of got a, I, I designed a quasi kind of Explorer guitar with PRS that I love that uh, maybe one day we'll put into, put into um, production. But uh, right now it's just, I just have two of them. Uh, you should put one of those in the hands of James Hetfield. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I don't know if he's, but he has, Lots of uh, signature guitars, you know. If he could get up there and play it on stage, I'd love to. I mean, that would be incredible. Yeah, uh, he does. But you also figure it's Metallica. I bet they're the one band that can. All of their endorsers are probably like, okay, yeah, man, do whatever you want. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd hate to give it to him and be like, no, I don't like it, bro. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> no, I, I think he. I think he. I think he'd dig it. I dig it. I love it. Yeah, or give it to Eddie. He'd probably Eddie would probably make some suggestions. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Eddie's Eddie's definitely uh, he's got his hands into a lot of a lot of great products, a lot of great guitars and amplifiers, and uh, I'm into that too. I love I like developing gear and amps and guitars. It's, it's big big part of part been a big part of my career. That's awesome. It, it just it, taking things apart and seeing how they work and and being able to customize things to your kind of personalized satisfaction. I think is a, a a skill that is um seems less and less prevalent out there so it's cool yeah it's been a, it's been a lot of fun well mark thank you so much for making the time today like i said you were one of the the first wish list guests you know two years ago when i started doing these so um very happy to have you on and um glad you made the time and absolutely man thanks thanks for having me on it's been a good time Awesome. Yeah. I hope it was fun for you. It's definitely fun for me. So absolutely. Kick ass. Absolutely. Man. If so Kevin, if, when we're through, go ahead. Hopefully when I can go through town, we can, we can uh, hang out. I would absolutely love that. That would be awesome. 